Hey, get your Bibles out and let's do what we do every week. We're going to dive into God's Word. Turn to Proverbs uh, chapter 3 is what we're studying this uh, summer. The book of Proverbs, first nine chapters. So we're in Proverbs 3 uh, today. Now, I'm, I'm really convinced that uh, all of humanity can be divided into two groups, uh, mountain people and beach people, all right? Would you agree with that? Mountain people or beach people? How many mountain, mountain people I have here? Come on now. That's right. We're living in the lowlands, but we got to get to the mountain. Now, the beach people, raise your hand. These are all the tan people right now. They've already been to the beach. They're online. You're, you're at the beach right now, Pastor Craig. I'm on the beach. Yeah, I know. All right. They're, they're the beach people. Now, every summer, you got to decide, am I going to the mountain? Am I going to the beach? How's that going to work? Uh, last summer, we decided to go to the mountains, all right? The mountain, mountains won last summer. And I remember we went there with our, all of our family and we had a great time. We got this app that has all the trails and we hiked a trail every single day and it was awesome. And so there was one trail that we found that looked really easy, really scenic, but it required you to drive up to the top of a mountain to the trailhead and then you were going to walk along the ridge. We thought that sounds perfect. So we get in the truck, we're going, we're headed to the mountain, we start getting up on this road going up to the mountain and things got a little precarious, I guess is a good word uh, to use. The, the first thing is that the road, right? The road was a dirt road, wasn't a paved road. And so parts of it were kind of washed out, parts of it were, were smooth. That was okay, and then it started getting steeper. The more you go up and you're switchbacking up this mountain, and it started to get steeper and steeper as you go, so everyone was getting kind of nervous in, in the truck at this point. And then there's the drop-off, right? The drop-off, there's no guardrails, so it's like a vertical plummet to your death, right? Uh, if you go off this thing, and so they're like, oh, we're gonna die! I'm like, I'm driving, we're not gonna die. Maybe that's why they were so nervous, right? Because I was driving. Uh, anyway, and I think we were okay until there was a car that was coming around the curve that we didn't see coming toward us. And we had to just scrape by to stay on the road without plummeting to our death. And, and I, it was just a hair raising. If I had hair, it would be raised uh, problem. Now, we couldn't stop, right? We couldn't back up. We couldn't turn around. We're just committed to going up this road. And I, I thought about that this week as I was studying this passage because in many ways, that mountain road is a lot of, like life. That life is beautiful and scary at the same time. That life has twists and turns and things come at you from around the corner that you can't anticipate or prepare for. That life is challenging and difficult. And there are many people that just have a hard time navigating life. They struggle to navigate life. Some of them, they're stalled out on the side of the road. Others, they, they uh, are just stalled in the middle of the road. They don't know how to move forward or backward. Others go off the side. And there are even Christians that really struggle with life. Christians that struggle deeply with discouragement or despair, doubts, all kinds of challenges in life. Some wonder if they've missed God's will for their life and they're somehow on the wrong road. I remember when I was in college, I was fixated with this idea of what am I going to do for my life? What is God's will for my life? And I find that there are many times Christians who have lived a, quite on into their life that are still wrestling with the same questions. Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Am I where God wants me to be? 
And that's why this passage we're going to look at is so important because in this passage, we learn how to navigate life wisely. Obviously, we're in the study of Proverbs. King Solomon was the author of most of these Proverbs. King Solomon, one of the wisest men who ever lived, apart from Christ himself. And he's going to show us in these two verses how to navigate the challenges of life. So we're only going to look at two verses today, and that is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Now, you're probably already thinking, hey, I know that verse, right? I, I've heard that verse before. Some of you know it so well, you can quote it from memory. You can stand up right now. Without any preparation, quote the verse, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. It's a very common verse, very uh, popular verse, if you will. It's on, always on one of the top 10, top popular verse searches online. Chances are good if you graduate from college, somebody wrote you a card that said Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 on it, right? Or if you graduate, or you got married, somebody gave you a little marriage card, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 on it. Some of your aunts uh, needle-pointed Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 and, and put it in a little frame for you to have in your house, right? It's my mom's favorite verse. She said, don't mess it up. I'm like, okay, mom, I won't, won't mess it up. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it's a really familiar verse. And yet, it's so familiar that we can miss it. We can miss the depth of it and the richness and the importance of this very familiar verse. So as we get into it, what I really want you to do is I want you to try to listen to this verse as if it were the first time, as if you never heard it before. And let God speak to you again in a fresh way through the deep meaning and promise of this verse. So let's look at it. Proverbs Chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. We'll put it on the screen here for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him and he will make your paths straight. In fact, let's just read it out loud together. We got it up there on the screen. Let's just all read it nice and out loud, loud enough for the person next to you to hear you. All right, here we go. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding in all your ways know him and he will make your paths straight now I want you to take your pen and I want you to put a box around those first four words trust in the Lord this is really the main idea of this passage this is what Solomon is trying to drive home to us to trust in the Lord now, I want you to look up to me and I want you to make eye contact with me here for just a minute. There are many people who claim to follow Jesus and yet they believe in a God they do not trust. They believe in a God they do not trust. They believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be. They believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the dead. They believe that he's the only way to eternal life. They believe that he is more than able to take them to heaven, but they do not trust him for their daily decisions of life. They don't trust him to provide for their need. They don't trust him to take care of their kids. They don't trust him enough to consult him about the decisions that they make. They believe in a God that they do not trust. And yet, what Solomon is telling us today is that that's exactly what we're supposed to do. We're to trust him, not just for salvation, 
but to trust him for every day. You see, at the core, the Christian life is not just about believing in Jesus to save you someday, but also to trust Jesus to lead you every day in every circumstance of life. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 basically says this straight out. It says, and now just as you've trusted Christ to save you, trust him too for each day's problems. So here's the question. Do you trust him? Do you trust the Lord? It's an important question. When I was growing up, we used to sing this hymn. Uh, it was called, uh, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Ever heard that hymn before? And the chorus of it goes like this. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I proved him over and over. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. See, that's what we need. We need grace to learn to trust God more and more and more in our life. So how do we do that? What does it look like to trust Jesus more? What does it look like for you to trust Jesus more? Well, that's what Solomon's giving us here. So if you're taking notes, I want to give you a couple things to jot down to think about this week. The first thing I want you to jot down is this. We've got to trust him completely. How does it look like? Well, it, it looks like trusting him completely. Look at verse 5. He says, trust in the Lord, underline these words, with all your heart. With all your heart. That means to trust him entirely, to trust him completely, to trust him ultimately. Literally, the word trust means to, to put, uh, to lay yourself down, to put your whole weight down on something or someone. When our girls were little, uh, we would go out and we'd go out to a parade or we'd go out to a water park or something like that. We'd stay till late in the evening. And of course, at the end of the day, they're just completely wiped out. And so we would gather all of our stuff up. They were already checked out for the night, right? And so I've either got one on my shoulders or on my back or I'm carrying one. Their legs are dangling. Their arms are dangling. They're completely sacked out. And they're trusting their dad to carry them to the car to make sure they're safe and to get them home and get them in bed. They fall asleep at the water park. They wake up in their bed. How does that happen? Right? Miracle. Dad takes care of that. Right? That's the idea here that God wants you to trust him like that. That he's got you. That he will protect you. That he will take care of you. That he will get you where you need to be and what you need to do. And so he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. The, the heart was the core of your personality. It's, it's your mind, your thoughts, your emotions. It's the core of who you are. Trust him with all you've got. That's what it means to walk with God, to trust in the Lord with all your heart. And some of you are going, okay, I get that preacher, but here's, here's my problem. This is where I have a little bit of a, a problem. See, I've got some trust issues. I got trust issues. I can't trust anybody. I, I, I can't trust anybody outside of myself to take care of me. I got, you know, somebody here that let me down or somebody over there let me down. And so I can't trust anybody. And I go, no, 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 that's not true. In fact, you trust people all the time. You trust complete strangers with your life every day. Every time you get into a car and you head out on the highway, you're trusting that the guy coming with you is going to stay in his lane. Right? You don't even know him. Every time you go to surgery, you're trusting the surgeon 
They take care of you. Every time you take a pill, you're trusting that the pharmacist is giving you the right medication. Every time you get on a plane, you're trusting that the pilot knows how to fly. You trust complete strangers who are fallible and wicked in the, to the core all the time with your life. Why would you not trust a perfect God who loves you deeply and is infallible? Why would you not trust him with your life? I think that's really what the Apostle Paul is driving toward. After he's written most of the book of Romans and he's written about the love of God and the sovereignty of God and the work of Christ on the cross and the Holy Spirit, after he's unpacked all these deep theological truths, he kind of gets to this point in Romans 11 and listen to these words. He says, oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? And who has ever given a God that he should be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. I mean, he's just like, man, you can't even plumb the depths of God's knowledge. You can't even get to the, see the shoreline of God's incredible wisdom. And look at his resume. Nobody's done what he's done. Nobody's loved like he's loved. Don't you think you can trust him? I think that's really the question. Do you trust him? Do you trust him in the challenges of life? Do you trust him in the good seasons of life? Do you trust him? And then with that kind of still hanging in your mind, Solomon quickly pivots and gives you a warning. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart that is completely, and then he pivots to tell you what the opposite of trusting him with all your heart would be, and that is do not rely on your own understanding. Look at it. Do not rely on your own understanding. The opposite of trusting in the Lord is trusting in yourself. The opposite of relying on the Lord is self-reliance. In fact, some versions say, lean not on your own understanding. That's, that's the version I grew up memorizing, lean not on your own understanding. I, I love that because basically what he's saying is this. He's not saying don't think. He's not saying don't plan. He's not saying don't prepare. He's just saying don't lean on it. Don't lean on it. Don't completely trust in it. Don't put all your eggs in the basket of your own discernment and wisdom and feelings and emotions because those are faulty and temporal. Don't lean on it. Lean on the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in Him. You see, I think there, there are there's some people that are, I got this people. You know what I'm talking about? I got this people. They have hit a problem, they hit a challenge, they say, I, no worries, I got this. I can figure this out. I know people. I got contacts. I, I've got connections. I, I've got a bank account. I've got, I, I've got, I've done things before. I've gotten out of uh, problems in the past. I know how to take care of myself. I know how to make things happen. I got this. That's a person that relies in themselves. What God's looking for is a I need you person that says, God, I need you. 
I need your wisdom, God, because I don't know what to do. I need your patience, God, because I'm impatient. I, I need you to change me, God, because I can't change myself. I need your guidance, God, because I need to know the direction you want me to go. God, I need your grace to help me through this. He's not looking for, I got this people. He's looking for, I need you kind of people. That's what it means to trust in the Lord as opposed to trusting in yourself. And by the way, this contrast is all the way through the Bible. You see this over and over and over. But I want to show you one passage that is so profound and so visual that it helps us to get it in our mind. I want you to write in the margin of your Bible, right next to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, I want you to write Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8. Now let me just read this to you. Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8. Listen to what it says. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. You get that? The person that trusts in themselves. It trusts in their, I love it, mere flesh, man. It's just their flesh. You're trusting in that. You're turning your back on God to trust in your own self. He said, curse is this man. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in the salt land where no one lives. Now here's the contrast. But blessed or blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when he comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. See the difference between I got this and I need you? I got this people, he said, you know what? They, they, at the end of the day, they're just like a bush. Anybody know what a tumbleweed is? All right? Yeah, you know what tumbleweed is. Those things are blowing around everywhere. They have no root. They have no fruit. They, they're just blown around by the wind. He said, that's what a person is like who trusts in themselves. They have no stability to face the storms of life. But he said, if you are one who trusts in the Lord, you're like a tree that's roots are down in the ground and you're drawing up from the water and you always bear fruit no matter what the season. That's the contrast. Trusting in the Lord, trusting yourself. You say, Craig, how do I know which one I am? It's easy. Just what do you do when problems come? Where do you run? Do you run to, I got this, I'll make this happen. I got this, this, and this. I got a strategic plan. Or do you say, oh Lord, I need you. I need you. What Solomon is telling us here, he said, you got to trust the Lord. If you want to navigate life, you're never going to navigate life not trusting the Lord. You're not going to make it through if you're not solidly trusting the Lord. And you've got to trust in the Lord completely. Maybe this is why you feel so unsettled. Maybe this is why you feel like you're constantly bouncing around, like you don't have any sense of direction in your life. Maybe that's why you, you feel so insecure in so many ways. Maybe that's why you feel like your life isn't bearing the fruit that you want it to bear. Maybe it's because you're trusting in yourself and your own plans and not trusting in the Lord. He said, you got to trust the Lord completely. 
That's where we start. You start off praying, Lord, I need you today. I need you now more than ever. Second thing he says is not only trust him completely, but trust him intimately. Look at verse six. In all your ways, know him. Some versions translate it this way. In all your ways, acknowledge him, right? That's the version I grew up memorizing. In all your ways, acknowledge him. If I were to walk into the room and you said, hey, Pastor Craig, you have acknowledged my presence. Acknowledge in our language seems to me kind of a tip of the hat or a, or a nice little wave. It's like when you're driving down the road and the guy's driving, you know, toward you and you give you the old finger wave. You know what I'm talking about? You're on the steering wheel and you give the little or sometimes the two finger wave. You know, that, that's an acknowledgement. But that's not what he's talking about here. It's not like a little finger wave to God. Yeah, God, I got you. I know you're up there, big man. Uh, that's not what he's talking about here. In fact, the word acknowledge, get this. Uh, this, was, this is so rich. The word acknowledge here, the Hebrew word yada, means to know deeply and intimately in a relationship, in a covenant relationship. Think marriage. Okay, that's the idea. That's really what this is talking about. Marriage is the perfect picture of two people in a covenant relationship. They know each other deeply and personally and intimately. This is how the word is used. In fact, in, in when, and it says Adam knew his wife. The, what he means is that he knew her not only just sexually, but he knew her intimately, personally, deeply in the covenant of marriage. And in that deep relationship, they knew one another. They were going through life together. Now listen, if you want to have a great marriage, you've got to do the things that make your marriage great. So what is that? Well, you spend time together and you share your heart with one another and you work through troubles together and you're committed to one another. And even the good things you celebrate together and the hard things you weep and care for one, care for one another in them. But you're just doing life knowing each other more and more and more. And a healthy marriage just gets deeper and deeper and deeper as the marriage goes. That's what God designed your marriage to be. To press in to know each other. Now, that's the same thing that he means here. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Don't rely on your own understanding. And then look at it. In all your ways, know him. What he's saying is this. In all your ways, whether they're seasons of good or seasons of bad, whether they're seasons of rejoicing or seasons of great sorrow, your number one focus should be to know Jesus more deeply and more personally every day. For you to make that your goal, to know him, to press in him, do the things that cause you to know him more, to spend time in God's word, to spend time in prayer, to spend time in worship, to making your, your, your relationship with him your top priority. This is what the apostle Paul talked about in Philippians 3 when he said, my determined purpose is to know Christ. Is that your determined purpose? He's saying if you will just have the heart desire to know God and to trust God and to cling to him and say, God, I need you and I want to know you, no matter what happens, that is a person that God will lead. I've told this story before. If you remember it, then I apologize in advance, but it's so good it bears repeating. Several years ago, we took a trip to Calgary on a mission trip. And part of that mission trip, we served the local community, but we also went to a small little church in Calgary. And as I was attending that church, I remember the young preacher that was preaching 
said that he was the grandson of Henry Blackaby. Now, if you don't know, Henry Blackaby is a well-known pastor. He's written lots of books, particularly a book called Experiencing God. And Henry Blackaby, really his life message is to know God more deeply. And so this was his grandson. And his grandson was preaching and he told a story. I don't really remember the sermon, but I do remember this story. He said that he was in college and he was really wrestling with what he should do in life and what degree should he pursue and if, if and when he should get married and what his career path should be. And he was really worried about missing the will of God. And he was talking to his grandfather about this and his grandfather was listening to him very patiently. And finally, once the grandson had kind of gotten all this off his chest, he said, son, I want to, I want to tell you something. So I realize you're really worried about this. But I want to let you in on a secret. If you will just every day seek to trust God and to know him more deeply than the day before. And every day you say, God, I trust you. And God, I just want to know you and your plan. God, today I want to trust you. And God, I just want to know you more deeply and personally. God, today I want to trust you and I want to know you more deeply. He said, if you will do that every single day, 20 years from now, you will be exactly where God wants you to be. You see, you can't get off the path if every day you're trusting him and seeking to know him. This is why they call it the Christian walk. See, it's one step of trust and knowing him. And another step of trusting and knowing him. Another step of trusting and knowing him. And as you do that, God is leading you step by step right to the path and right to the purpose that he has for your life. So what does it mean to trust God? It means you got to trust him completely with all you are, that you're resisting self-reliance and that you're seeking to know him in a deep and personal way. Folks, this is how the people in the Bible, the great ones of the Bible, trusted God and walked with God. Think about it. Abraham, he sought to know the Lord more deeply and personally, and God gave him a son in his old age. Moses, he sought to know the Lord more deeply and personally. In fact, it says that Moses talked with God as one friend talks to another, and God used him to lead a nation. Daniel trusted God and sought to know him deeply, and God showed up even in the middle of a den of lions. And listen, if you will trust God every day, and you will seek to know him every day, then he will show up in your life. And who knows what he'll do with you. See, this is what he means to trust him. No matter what you're facing, it's an opportunity to trust God more. It's an opportunity to know him more. Solomon said, how do I navigate life? I, you got to trust the Lord. That's it. You got to trust the Lord. How? Trust him completely. Don't, don't rely on your own understanding. Don't, don't put God last. Put him first. In fact, number two, seek to know him more deeply and personally, intimately every single day. And then here's the last thing. You need to trust him continuously. Continuously. Look at verse six. And he will make your path straight. Now, this part of the verse is future. Everything else is about today. Everything you said up to this point is today. Trust the Lord today. Don't rely on yourself today. Uh, in all your ways, seek to know him today. And if you do those things today, then he will in the future 
go before you. He will make your path straight. You see, trusting God is not just a one-time thing. It's not, well, I did that back, you know, when I got saved. I trusted the Lord. No, no, it's a daily thing. It's a relationship. Every day, you're trusting God. Every day, you're saying, Lord, I'm going to trust you today for this day's problems. Every day, I'm going to trust you to lead me and direct me. Lord, I need you today. Lord, I'm dependent on you today. Lord, I just want to know you today. And it's that daily decision to trust God. That's what it means to walk by faith. And he said, if you will do that, he will, in the future, go before you and make your path straight. Isn't that a beautiful promise? He's going to make your path straight. You say, well, what does that mean, make your path straight? Well, a straight path is a, is a secure path. It's a safe path, right? Remember the circuitous road up the mountain? That's danger, right? We don't know what's around the corner. It's precarious. It's dangerous. But the straight path is a path that is secure. He says, I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to protect you, and I'm going to watch over you on this straight path. It's the secure path. It is also the clear path. To make a path straight means you remove the obstacles. You remove the boundaries. You remove the barriers. And so that means God will go before you and he will remove things out of your way to get you where he wants you to be. The straight path is the clear path. It is also the determined path. God's got a plan and a direction for your life. And as you are on this path, that God's going to clear out the way for you to be right where he wants you to be And the way that happens is that you trust him. Trust in him to go before you. Not relying on yourself. Every day seeking to know him and making him your top priority. And he will make your paths straight. Do you trust him? Well, we didn't die going up the mountain. Good news. We made it to the top. In fact, we, the trailhead was there just as we expected it would be. And we got out of the truck and we took our little water bottles and our little backpacks and we took off down the trail. And I tell you what, it was absolutely breathtaking. There was this one spot where we saw, I believe it was about five different uh, horizons of mountain ranges in front of us. It's just breathtaking, majestic, glorious. And you know what? I would have never seen that if I'd stayed down at the bottom. See, God wants you to see his glory. He wants to reveal it to you. He wants to reveal to you his faithfulness and his goodness. He wants to reveal to you his provision in your life. And his presence in your life. He wants to show you his glory. But you got to trust him. you got to trust him. And when you're trusting God, that's how you navigate life wisely. Would you bow your heads with me for just a minute? Maybe you're here today and you say, Craig, I don't know how to trust God like that. I don't know where to start in trusting God like that. Well, it starts by trusting him to forgive you, trusting him that he has paid the price at the cross for your sin and surrendering the control of your heart and your life to him. See, the Bible says, for God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his one and only son, 
that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. When we were sinful and wayward from God, when we were not pursuing him, when we were going our own way, that Jesus Christ came and out of love for you, he went to a cross and on that cross, he paid the penalty for your sin. All your sin, all your waywardness put on the back of innocent Jesus. And he died in your place for your sin because he loves you. He was buried and on the third day, he rose again from the dead and he offers new life and a real relationship and change to anyone who will trust him by faith. So the question is this, have you done that? Has there been a moment in your life when you confessed your sin and confessed your need to Jesus and asked him to come into your life and to lead you and to direct you? That's where trust starts. That's where trusting in the Lord starts. Trusting him for salvation and then for each day's problems. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to trust him right now. Maybe right now as I'm speaking, your heart is beating. The Holy Spirit is convicting you of your sin. You know that right now is your opportunity. That I'm going to give you a chance to pray a simple prayer of faith. To say yes to the Lord. So if you're here today, every head bowed, nobody looking around. If you say, Pastor, I need to pray that prayer, just raise up your hand. Pastor, I want to know Christ. I want to be forgiven. I want to be sure that I'm right with God. I want to trust him. I want to, I want to know for sure that I, I, I have a home in heaven. Then lift up your hand right now. Lift it up. Pastor, I need the Lord. I need the Lord. I'm not going to call you out, but I will lead you in a prayer right where you're seated. Pastor, pray for me. Lift up your hand right now. I need Christ in my life. I need him. Pastor, pray for me. Lift up your hand. All right, thank you. Anybody else? Lift up your hand. Pastor, pray for me. I need Jesus. Okay. All right, anybody else? This is your chance. All right, put your hand down. Now just right where you are, just pray this simple prayer with me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Lord, I know that I've sinned against you and I've gone my own way. But I believe you're the only way. You're the only one who can save me. So I'm asking you now, please forgive me. Please change me. Please make me a new person. Today I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for loving me.